the tea health show your medical lifestyle podcast brought to you by the tea clinic Good morning, this is the Tea Health Show. I'm Dr. Mark and in studio today, as always, our lovely producer, Simpiwi. Morning, Sims. Good morning. And been a good friend and colleague uh, of mine, a reconstructive and plastic surgeon, Dr. Gareth Chassing. Gareth, morning. It's morning. good to have you. Morning, morning. Nice to be here. So it's still November. And uh, for the month of November, we are focusing on men and men's health issues. And today we're actually going to talk about aesthetic options for men and what you should know, what is available, and um, the pitfalls of plastic surgery and aesthetic treatments. So, Gareth, um, you are one of my fellow trainers with Galdoma. Um, we are trainers for other doctors on everything that is um, involved in non-surgical facial enhancement and aesthetics. What are the most common treatments that you have non-surgically in your practice? So um, these are varied and they grow very quickly. You know, as the market develops and we get new products on, on and offers available to people, we, we seem to get sort of a, a lot more armor in our armamentarium. Um, but uh, the most common thing that has been around for a while is obviously the neuromodulators because it's quick, easy, minimal downtime, okay. massive effect. So neuromodulators, the colloquial term for them, everyone knows them as Botox in South Africa. Currently, we have two available on the market. We have Botox and Disport. Um, do you want to uh, tell us about where we use these things in men specifically? So uh, that too has grown massively. Initially, it just started off with the angry number 11 lines between the eyebrow. Um, you know, a little bit of Botox or, or Disport would settle those down and give the skin a little bit of a glow, then spread to forehead, and then we can get a nice look on the forehead and around the eyes for crow's feet. Then it, um, people figured out that you could put it along the jawline to make the jawline a bit sharper by decreasing the pull of the platysma in the lower part of the neck. Um, and even now, geez, it's gone below the belt. Yeah, actually, sure. um, we'll, we'll get to that in a short while. But I often find that guys walk into my practice uh, for my hormone clinic and um, they come in and they look scowly and angry. And when I ask them about that, they say, yeah, but people say that I'm grumpy um, when I'm sitting in a meeting. And really, I'm not. They ask me what's wrong. And I say, I'm, I'm perfectly fine. So those, those number 11 frown lines, that deep scowl between the eyebrows, I think that's probably one of the best treatments for neuromodulators in men. Don't you agree? A hundred percent. It just makes you look more approachable. Yeah, absolutely. Botox is the best bang for your buck when it comes to anything to do with aesthetics. Um, it is an expensive procedure, but you are getting almost uh, facelift type um, improvements with minimal interaction with a knife. You know, So um, you end up having a couple of treatments over a period of time. And, and as people don't really realize, if you do Botox regularly, you, you tend to stretch out your treatment. So it becomes a little bit more cost effective as you do it. Um, and, you know, we often see men coming in once reluctantly with their wives or on their own. You know, I just want to try this out. And then they're the people bashing at the door the minute it's worn off. Yeah. Absolutely. On the forehead lines, is that something? So the forehead lines are the horizontal lines mm -hmm. that form. The glabella frown are the vertical ones that form between the eyes. Are those your two most popular treatments or do you treat a lot of crow's feet as well? So um, it, it very much depends on what men are looking for. Um, I tend to treat the whole face because it's a, it's a balance of uh, harmony with all the muscles. So the frontalis muscle, which is the forward lines, lifts the eyebrows. So if you relax it, you can get a drop in, in the eyebrow. 
So you and should. that actually can make you look worse. Yes, absolutely. So you you have to figure out where exactly or what exactly the face needs. And and often you can't really do the one without the other. So sometimes people feel like it might be a little bit of a, you know, as the doctor, you're saying, oh, you need a little bit here and be insulted. But it's not necessarily that you're trying to try and change a person's face too much more than you're trying to balance their eyebrows because you don't want something to pull down when you've released the the the, the muscle that pulls up. So it's about looking at someone's face, figuring out what they need. And everybody's looking for something different. Some people want to stay masculine. And some people, uh, even men are coming through it saying they want to have a little bit more of a feminine appearance. The the world today is not uh, the what it was 20 years ago. And some guys like having eyebrows plucked and, and raised eyebrows. Mine's raised at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Simpiwe, what makes a male face handsome? Well, let's start with the connecting beard, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, so we passed test yeah, number yeah. one, Gareth. <laughs> um, I think a great jawline, um, personally for me. Um, let's see. Like, also, I think something with the eyes. There's something about a man's eyes that's just like, hmm. Men have deep set eyes because yeah. we have uh, what we call frontal bossing of the brow. It's kind of a. Back to the reminiscence of the uh, Neanderthal age, it makes us look powerful and strong because we've got this you big don't ridge. Say. Yeah, and the jawline is what women find attractive because testosterone does give you this bigger jawline, and and that gives you the the appearance of being a more strong, powerful carer. So, what it's else? Very deep inside your nature oh to gosh. look for those things. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sampiwe, what else? <laughs> Oh, I, I don't know. Um, we're talking about the face. We're still on the face. Oh. Yeah. Mm, mm. Uh, I don't know. I think maybe like a good hairline also helps. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Hairlines make people younger because the minute your hairline recedes, it's just a telltale sign you've reached a certain decade. Mm, problems as oh well. Oh, God. I reached back <laughs> a decade in my 30s. I'm just also like, oh, problems. <laughs> Well, so, just on, on that topic, have you seen the latest papers um, on Botox and Dysport for hair loss? Yeah. I mean, it's it's incredible. In 23 months, you have a significant growth of hair with Botox treatments in the hairline. Yeah, yeah, so, absolutely. I, and it's that action of the neuromodulator on um, n- nerve endings where it inactivates the nerve ending. And what happens as with – um, treatments that we do below the belt is it increases blood flow through the action that it has on the smooth muscle. Is that my correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so all androgenic hair, hair loss. We'll wait and see what, what the jury actually says on this because it's very difficult to promote something when there's only been one or two papers. Um, but when there's a consensus in the literature that this is actually something that's got some real clout, I mean, mm. it's very exciting to see because, I mean, we could end up having younger guys that have male pattern uh, hair loss starting at uh, irrationally young ages and want yeah. to treat it. And then there's an option that's relatively inexpensive and, and uh, well, effective. Well, you know, what, what, what I think you said there is very important because you have people with body dysmorphia. Mm. Um, and I see it in my practice all the time, especially on my hormone clinic side, um, that it's all about what they look like and not who and what they are. So I actually don't like treating guys on the hormone side um, if they're younger than 40. Um, so, but you know what, we'll, we'll get to that, uh, at, at a later stage. So Peewee, there was a study that was done or a survey that was done worldwide. Hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, Gareth, were you with us in Dubai at, um, Gain or Imkas? Uh, I was at, uh, with you in Dubai in, I think it was 2019. Okay. So it, it, it was in Dubai and, we were sitting and there was about um, 900 doctors sure. in in a conference room. But they did a worldwide survey amongst women and it was quite a big survey. I think it was close to a million women that were surveyed. And they were asked, what is the ideal male face? Now, firstly, this was a guy that was quite older. He was gray. He had prominent 
frontal bossing, so this ridge above the eyebrows, straight brows, strong nose, strong square jawline and chin, mm. prominent nose, and lines and wrinkles around his eyes. Mm. And they asked, why was that the most handsome face? So can you remember Kenny Rogers? Some people are you way too young. Oh, God, Gareth's also a couple of years younger than me. So Exposing your age, for, Dr. Moss. For those of you who um, remember what Kenny Rogers, um, he was a singer, he sang with Dolly Parton. Um, it was that Kenny Rogers lookalike. So gray, beard, square, lined, tanned. Um, and that was the most... Handsome face because it's as you said, women felt safe with that kind of of look with men. I'm, I'm interested to see what media and the world does to that aesthetic in the future because now with this huge push for K-pop aesthetic, I mean they might find in 20 years' time <laughs> that the ideal male face looks identical to the female one. Well, it's very very interesting if we look at the. Different ethnicities um, and cultural groups. Mm. You have for Caucasian men, the best look is that Scandinavian sharp nose, very chiseled jawline, slim look. Mm. Um, and the moment that you move over to Asia, it's a far more feminine look. And as aesthetic practitioners, you and I know that one of the most important things for us to get a um, a good outcome mm. for the patients is to stay true to the ethnic origin of that patient. Mm. The moment that you feminize um, a Caucasian Western face, they start looking girly and we've seen this at our conferences. Mm. The moment that they have the rounded cheeks or the full cheeks, um, you know what? They start looking done or mm. overdone. Um, it's, it's something that there's a very, very fine balance that we need to keep. Okay. So we've touched on the neuromodulators. Mm -hmm. So let's Talk a little bit more about what we can do. Gareth, how often do you use it for hyperhidrosis or excessive sweating in men? Well, I've recently had it done to myself. Um, a patient didn't arrive for a treatment and I had a fortunes with the Botox that I don't keep Botox for more than 24 hours or disport. I don't keep it for more than 24 hours. So um, I, I normally throw it out and it was an exorbitant amount. So I ended up just doing my own and I can tell you it is life changing. I forget to put deodorant on sometimes because you don't sweat at all. There's no smell, no sweat. And it's been I've four, three months now and I still haven't uh, sweated at all. So it's it's something that I'm going to actually recommend a lot more. Yeah, I, 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 I do it quite often for guys, you know, especially guys in a boardroom that have to wear a dress shirt. Mm -hmm. Um you know what? You do not want pit stains. Yeah. It looks hideous. You look like an idiot. Um, and everyone thinks that you're about to pee your pants because you're so nervous. Mm. Um, now stand up in front of that presentation and they don't be cut pit stains. They change into pit holes. So, um, hyperhidrosis, it's a quick treatment. It's painless because most of us are kind enough to give you some numbing cream to put mm. on the area. But we can also use it in other areas. I've used mm. it in the hairline and on the scalp for guys that mm. sweat excessively on, okay. on, on the head. Mm. <clears throat> and it's also a treatment that we can actually use for guys um, who sweat excessively in their hands. Mm. It's bloody sore, but... People like Dr. Chasink can give nerve blocks, for instance, and then you don't feel a thing. And for six to eight months, you don't have to dry your hands before you shake the hand of someone else. Hmm. So that's a nice treatment. A couple, um, of, a couple of students have come to me before exams. 
for injections into their hands so that they don't sweat while they're writing because they find that with the hyperhidrosis, they can't hold a pen properly. They smudge the ink on the page, those sorts of things. Mm. So a couple of students have come through. And in fact, um, I think we actually got it through medical aid for one, I think. Yeah, you can get it through medical aid. Hyperhidrosis has a procedure code. Mm. So medical aids, some medical aids do fund it. So, But before you go... Don't be a nightmare for your aesthetical, aesthetic practitioner and ask them to get it through the medical aid. You should get your ducks in the row. There are codes we can, we can provide them to you should you need them. Now, newest, newer treatments that we do with neuromodulators, Botox, this sport are treatment of scars. Yes, yeah. Um, which works very, very well, putting them around the margins of, of scars for wound healing. And then, lo and behold, we're using it a lot, and I use it a lot in my practice for erectile dysfunction. Um, and here Dr. Chessing can actually explain to us a little bit how that works. Gareth, am I putting you on the spot? Well, uh, no, not, yeah, a little bit. It's, it's not something that I do. Um, uh, but so basically the theory goes that with the release of the smooth muscle in that area, you get much more blood flow. Yeah. So um, basically you're just taking off a couple of years of stress. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so um, it's, it, we need to understand that one of the first signs of cardiovascular disease is erectile dysfunction. Uh, the dorsal penal artery is not a very big one. Um, and when it becomes stiff, uh, the artery I'm talking about simply when, um, <laughs> when the artery becomes stiff or clogged or blocked, the blood flow to the penis and the erectile tissue or the sponge tissue in the penis is compromised. And an erection is all about blood flow. So it's relaxing those muscles do have an effect and it's quite long lasting. Mm. So we use about a hundred units. So it's not a cheap procedure to do, <laughs> but it has great, great effect for guys who are not responding on other treatments. Yeah. Okay. And, and scrotox, you haven't touched on scrotox. You know what? I, I, Am I catching you off guard here? <laughs> no, it's just I have to be very careful because usually I would answer my mind's big enough not to, to not to wrinkle. So, <laughs> but you know what? I, I really do not understand that. No, no, that treatment. I was caught off guard. Why day. would you want to put Botox into the scrotum to relax the scrotum so that your balls hang lower? So I, so I got asked about it. Um, geez, the first time I heard about it was a couple of months ago. One patient walked in and sort of said, do I do this? And I, I thought, do I not know about something? So I went and did a bit of reading. So it actually originated for um, fertility treatments, okay, just to re release the cremaster muscle, which is the okay, muscle. Okay, so literally so that to, you to hang, hang lower. lower. So that um, the testicles were further away from the body and the temperature wasn't so high, so the sperm count would increase theoretically. Um, so obviously when they were doing this, they noticed that it removed wrinkles. <laughs> So I suppose they hang low and shine. <laughs> so, because they literally do shine. Yeah, so to, each their, so, to each their you, own. You know Sounds what? weird, but okay. I, I've, I've often said there's few things worse than the color of an old man's scrotum. So, you know what? And when they really are dangly, um, you know, I, I don't understand why you want to do that to yourself. If you have a very tight scrotum, yes, yes, okay, fine. So you want to show something. But um, it's an expensive procedure that no one is supposed to be seeing in any case. Um, you know what, if you're in a nudist colony, fine. You know what, it's warm by hang. Okay, so let's move on. Gareth, one of the most common treatments that we do in our practices are tissue filler treatments yes yeah i must say that um my tissue filler and um, treatments and practices grown exponentially and products are very reliable um, that are available on the market at the moment um and they're very predictable in in good hands so you know the the outcomes and the risks are, are not significant if they're done properly 
And there are minimal downtime. I mean, the majority of the time, the biggest risk really, if done properly, is a little bit of a bruise. Yeah. I, uh, you, you mentioned a couple of things. Simply, we, we've spoken about aesthetic treatments and the dangers thereof. From what Dr. Chassing has said, um, are they, are they, did you pick them up? Well, I'm still stuck on the, the, the. <laughs> no, let's no, move no, on. No, I'm, I'm just, I'm still stuck on that. That new procedure that you just talked about that actually men are doing. It's like, wow. Um, so I have not because my mind's still there. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> in South Africa, we have a couple of, reliable brands available and you and I have both been through all of them mm. um, in our careers. I, I've been doing non-surgical facial enhancement and specializing in medical aesthetics for 22 years and you, well, you're a couple of years younger than me. Mm. Um, but, Since 2007. Okay. So, mm. you know, what? that's 15 years mm. of experience and we all grew up with the Allegan brand and it's a reliable filler and both of us have migrated over to the Galdoma brand and for who we are both trainers. Mm. Um, what we need to understand is I think one, assessing the face and when I train doctors, um, this is where my focus lie. It's not necessarily on technique, on an injection technique, but actually understanding the face in order to get your patient's needs and expectations aligned with your own treatment. Because if you don't get that right, no matter how good the treatment was, it's still a failure because the patient's not happy. Mm. So, Gareth, what for men specifically, what is it that that you treat in my practice it's jawlines cheeks maybe the odd nose it's not something that i like treating because it's quite a dangerous area to treat chins and then deep deep set lines and wrinkles for guys who don't want botox so what is your treatments so uh, instagram is sort of Woken the male population up as to what can be done because there's a lot of aesthetic um, treatments that you can see before and afters on Instagram and male masculinization of the face is hugely popular mm. in the media, almost as big as the apple cheeks were about 10 years ago for fillers. Yeah. So we got to be very careful in following trends that are trends for trends sake. Um, mm. You know, so this, we have to look at a, a person's face and marry the proportions of their face. So if a person has um, a certain shape face, a massive jawline is going to make them look comical. So we have to be aware of that and work in proportion. So it's very patient specific. Um, I don't follow a, a paint by numbers approach. And, no, please you know, don't. So, so yeah. it's very much a, um, looking at the individual. But every single person after the age of about 30 starts losing mid face volume. So your central um, fat pad, which sits just below your eyes, tends to descend and that gives you a little bit of a hollow tear trough and and this can be easily corrected with not much filler so it's cost effective um, and if you place it in the correct place you get you you are recreating the physiological loss rather than filling a line if if i'm making sense here absolutely so, i I'm, I'm going to interject and i'm going to ask you to explain aging because we there's certain things that we as um Aesthetic practitioners and you guys as reconstructive and plastic uh, surgeons can do, but only so much. Um, and here I'm specifically thinking of aging bone, the, the changes that happens in the skull, not, not necessarily the fat pads, but the bony changes. Do you want to run us through that quickly? So you're right. So you age in multiple layers in the face. So you age from bone, you age with fat descent, you age with ligament laxity, you age in your skin with sun damage. So it's all these different layers aging at different stages and, and times. Um, so the first thing that we really start losing is bone. So we lose um, bone around what we call the piriform fossa, which is basically the hole where the nose sits. 
So you, your support of your nose starts descending. So you, your nose looks like it's elongating slightly and sitting lower in the face. And then you get what the nasolabial lines are, which are the lines on either side of, of the nose extending down mm. to the lip edges. And a lot of people come in and that's the first thing that they'd want to treat as an anti-aging process. And in the past, people would pump filler into those lines to try and um, plump them out to try and get rid of the, the that effect. And, and we end up getting these almost simian monkey-looking yes, lips. Yes, you know, but because sometimes we cause um, quite a bit of a sausage formation, yes, which yeah. made them worse. And the fact that we never got complications doing that in today's world is mind-boggling. Yeah, the yeah. fact that we didn't create horrible complications. So the reality is, is if you go in and you hit the, the problem where it starts, so you start doing a little bit of bony buildup with a certain harder filler, um, you can create a much more natural look um, by just replacing what is being lost. Yeah. So if we physiologically treat aging, you can keep your face looking what it used to look like rather than altering your face to this sure. weird ageless look. Yes, absolutely. But because if you look at some of these guys that had plastic surgery mm-hmm. uh, or that are using fillers, and we see this especially in our celebrity women uh, where, you know, the eyes become smaller and smaller because the cheeks are so inflated and nothing moves that they start looking Absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So, Sims, you were going to ask? Yes, I want to know, uh, do male patients also come in with like a celebrity face? So I know I've, I've, this is just based on TV and what I've watched where a female will walk in and say, make me look like Kim Kardashian, you know? Do, uh, do male patients also come in and be like, I'd like to look like Zac Efron? <laughs> so funnily enough... Uh, just mm-hmm. for his abs. <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, not really. Not no, in my I, experience. They, I've also never they had that. Too, too egotistical. They just want to look at themselves <laughs> better. Yeah, I've, I, I also, you know what? I've had some patients where I couldn't figure out exactly, you know, it seems we had this non-binary kind of conversation last week. Um, and some of those patients, um, would show a photo of I want my eyebrows or my cheeks to look like that. And you know what, Ben, it's – okay, sorry, you're in the wrong place. Okay. Um, Gareth's um, mid-face volumization, mm-hmm. um, because it leads to that formation of a tear trough, it ultimately leads to the formation of nasolabial lines and of jowling because mm-hmm. all the tissue from the mid face along the nose down to the cheek starts dropping and here you form the marionette lines um, and that bulldog look what is the treatments that we can do for that Um, is surgical procedures sometimes indicated for these patients or is it okay let's just restore the support structure and the balance in the skin. So there are different surgical procedures that do address descent um, or facial descent, but the the surgical treatments like facelifts um, and deep plane facelifts, which is sort of a more advanced facelift, um, tend to treat um, your peripherals rather than your central facial descent. So this is the area if you take a line from the corner of the eye, the outside corner of the eye, and go backwards. And yes. this is where your retaining ligament sits. So yes. when you start pulling back on and the you retaining can't smile ligament. Or it looks like you so, so that's, don't no, that actually is the, that's yeah. a nice nice procedure to do because yeah. you pull back here. So put your fingers right in front of your ears mm-hmm. and you pull back and upwards there. So the mid part of your face is still moving quite yeah. quite okay. normally. So, so the reality is physiologically to get the improvement that some people want, you will actually look like you've been in a wind tunnel. So you've got like your faces, your mouth is spread wide, your cheeks and eyes are pulled because they want no central face lines. So you, you can't physiologically reach those goals with a facelift. 
the, um, if the best way you can just see what you're going to look like with a facelift is to lie flat on your back with a mirror above your head. And that's what your face will look like with a facelift. It's quite subtle. Most plastic surgery is quite subtle. When we're trying to get 20 years off, that's when things start looking so weird. So that is why we tell uh, women to lie on your back, point your heels at Jesus and think of handbags. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I don't really know what to say now. <laughs> okay. So actually we can as we said for for men mm-hmm. um a defined cheek in most men and this is not that uh Ahmed kind of skeletal mm. uh definition, just a nicely defined uh cheek with a Fairly sharp, um, Maylar protuberance. So it's the one that sits, it's where light reflects off your face. Mm-hmm. Now in a woman, we want that to have a soft curve to it. In men, we want it to be a little bit sharp with more of a flatter appearance, mm-hmm. slightly flat, not hollow. A flatter appearance in the mid face, that area mm. under the eye. When we over inflate this area, you start feminizing a face. And mm. this is what we don't want in guys. Um, a strong jawline. And Gareth, here we use the, the fillers to great effect and specifically the harder fillers. And here I'm thinking of, um, the, the Nasher technology in, in Galderma. I'm thinking maybe a little bit of the hydroxycalcium appetites, mm. um, and even some of the hybrid fillers mm. that we are starting to use to create support in front of the ear and on the angle of the jaw. So jawlines are two things. You can fake it till you make it. So you float it in the jawline. So very superficial treatments um, with a filler so that it uh, the, the light shadow changes. Mm. Um, but that's not real. Um, it's not a real jawline. And, and it's visible when you talk sometimes because the jaw moves and then you see the jawline's not moving in synchronous with the the, the bony structures. Or you do it properly, and you do it properly, it takes a bit more filler, and you do it along the jawline, um, and using the, the fillers that you have mentioned, whether it's the hydroxyapatite, the, the hybrid fillers, or the Nasher technology, you can get a good result, but it costs more. But unfortunately, everything in life that's worth anything really costs more. So, so are you, do you often do surgical procedures for that so or there, do you do more chin implants uh, so there are a lot of options available surgically there are silicon um, uh, implants made available and silicon these days when using a reputable company can be quite safe um, it needs to be obviously something that's not bought off the internet it's a uh, you know bought from a medical supply um, this is much more permanent than a filler um, it's also undergoing a surgical procedure and if you do have problems with it it can be disfiguring Whereas um, your fillers are reversible completely. So if you do fillers and you don't like your uh, He-Man jaw, you can dissolve it in five minutes. With Johnny the, Bravo. Johnny He-Man Bravo. had a nice jaw. <laughs> so um, chins. Yes, chins. Great, easy, cheap uh, uh, augmentation to do can change your face significantly. Mm. Um, the, the, the interesting thing about a chin is that what you see from a front on in the mirror is not what the world sees in a, in a three-quarter and a three-dimensional view. Yeah, absolutely. So um, when, when we treat chins, um, you might yourself look in the mirror and go, mm, it's a little bit of a subtle difference. But the person sitting at your 45 degrees is going to suddenly see, a, see a, a, how a, your chin, lips, and nose are now in a different proportion. Yeah. And it can actually make you look more well-bred. You, you, you mentioned a word there that for me is at the crux of any aesthetic treatment, and that's proportion. Um, when you look at a face, the top third, the middle third, and the bottom third should be in proportion. Otherwise, you start looking like Mr. Potato Head with either lips or a nose or eyes. So, and this is probably the thing that people get wrong the most is they focus on one thing in the face 
and distort the proportion of the whole face, especially when it comes to lips or noses. Um, and for us men, we, we would like, um, the proportion, especially in the forehead and the bottom third, the chin part of a foot to be equal. Do you agree with that? Yeah, a hundred percent. What often happens is, um, patients see something that bothers them and they focus so intensely on this one thing that bothers them that they lose perspective and um, uh, perspective of the whole face. Mm-hmm. So um, they'll talk about this one line and to just get rid of this one line and then do this, do this, do this. And, and, and to do that, you would end up disfiguring them. <clears throat> so you have to be, uh, sometimes you come in and a patient's upset because they come for a consult and you turn around and you say, you, you know what? I'm just really not comfortable doing this procedure. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, you know it just goes against what we're trying to achieve as as physicians. The the the, the programs like botched. Um, I was about to ask. <laughs> <laughs> they they show you what the world can be like when your surgeon just loses perspective along with you. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know, but I often ask there we we and I I don't watch it at all because I I. I, I look. It's good content, no. Doctor Mark. It's okay, not well, good as content. The, as, as the consumer, it's, <laughs> it's, it speaks to two things in my mind. One, the ethical dilemma that patients put doctors in, um, and the failure of doctors to stay ethical. Because, come on, um, if you if you allow a patient to undergo a procedure with you in full knowing that this is not in the patient's best interest, um, I think you failed as a medical practitioner. Well, it's, an, it's analogous to arriving with your child at the GP and insisting on an antibiotic because you're paying for a consult. You know, you, you, you can't come in and say, well, I'm coming for a consult. I have to have something done. Um, we, we are, um, medical practitioners and we, we should always have the, the overall best interest of the yeah. patient at heart. Um, unfortunately, the lines are blurred in cosmetics because we, the patient becomes client, becomes patient, becomes client. You, 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 you have to draw your boundaries quite carefully. Mm. Um, so it's a, uh, it's a difficult road for us all to walk on. And there are days that I've walked out and I've gone, did I get talked into something that I just not happy about? Yeah. And, and, and those, those patients haunt you and you don't sleep well at night. So it's no. just not worth it. I, I agree with you, but on your side, it's even more difficult because you have to do the surgeries. Mm. 90% of the work that I do is reversible. Um, but in my practice, a lot of my patients have had the no, um, not today, not that, uh, go back, think about it. We'll discuss it again. It's just a, a no. Um, but can I ask something then? Yeah. Um, speaking on like botched, um, how easy is it or how difficult is it to kind of like, I would say, I wouldn't say we, we, <sighs> Fix the face once someone has done something and it's gone horribly left. So it, it depends on what was done. So okay. um, if it's surgery, it's very difficult. Um, once a native tissue is destroyed, your planes, your um, proportions, your available cartilage, if you've got a nose that's been damaged, now we've got to look for alternative sources. So we have to now take rib to rebuild sure. noses. Um, you know, if a patient has had a jaw, um, broken and brought forward and it's out of proportion, that's a massive surgery to redo. There, there, there are many, um, things, but the, the, the nice thing about the non-surgical side, um, is that most of it is reversible. Okay. Okay. So <clears throat> I don't want this to run out of time. Mm-hmm. Gareth, you and I both train for Galderma on the new biostimulators. Mm-hmm. That have taken the market by storm. Mm. Um, and here we're thinking of, um, in the Galderma range, specifically Sculptra. Uh, there are hybrid biostimulators like Radiace and Harmonica that's on the market. Um, biostimulators, I find for men is probably my go-to treatment for the simple fact that 
it treats 90% of conditions in the skin. So as we go, grow older, we start seeing decrease in collagen production. And that leads to laxity of skin and a decrease in elastin. And that makes the skin saggy, dull, and we have volume loss as well. And when you use the biostimulators correctly, there's a natural reversal through the stimulation of collagen, giving you a phenomenally good result, but absolutely natural. And it's uh, gradual in onset and long lasting. Um, is this something that you use in your practice now a lot? Because I, I can't stay um, ahead yeah, of doing so, those treatments. So it is something that has grown massively. Um, and it's, you know, you know, something works when you not, don't have to sell it to a patient, when the patients are phoning you for it. Because yeah, they saw their absolutely. friend that looks great and they asked what they did. And then their friend said, I did this. And, and, and you hit the nail on the head. Um, I think the biostimulators are hitting the market at the perfect time because we've gone through this weird, completely overdone, overfilled um, face. And, and now people have, have woken up to the fact that this is not the way to go. So they're looking for a much more subtle alternative. And, and, and this is, I mean, most of the biostimulators um, last up to two, two and a half years. So um, you're getting this benefit. So you're getting a treatment that you, is long-term. Um, it's very subtle. So it takes two to three months to kick in properly. So you're only seeing the difference two to three months. And most people are looking at um, their their friends and, and colleagues and going, she's just looking good. Mm. you know. And that's kind of the, the, the look you want. You you want to look good. You don't want to to look young. Yeah, because the minute you're trying to chase the eternal fountain of youth, you—I mean, I don't know if you've seen Madonna lately. Oh Madonna my God, does I not, don't know what happened. She does not look like herself. No, I—it's—they are all worried. Yeah, it's and but you know what the problem is—is is when you the, the 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 issue with aesthetics in the world today is when you reach an ageless look, our minds go, "There's something wrong here," mm-hmm. where there's this like strange. Not really sure what age the person is. And I mean, another good example is if you look at the young Kardashians or the Jenners or whatever their name is, um, they were all, they are attractive women. There's absolutely no doubt about it, but I could not tell you where, well, the younger ones are very attractive for you, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, they, they, so basically you're looking at them and you're going, are you 25? Are you 36? Are you 43? That's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the only person that managed to get that right was Sher. Sher's surgeon is a god. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know what? And actually, Nigella Lawson. Well, can you know, my, my next one is, um, Gwen Stefani is like next level at 53. Um, she's, uh, like, I'm pretty sure she's on Bastards and Jennifer Lopez as well. I'm pretty sure she's so yes, actually is- Stefan Stefan showed me a picture of her um at the age of thirty in that green dress and now at the age of fifty and she looks better. Yeah, so I, I there's you know there's something about I think what happens is with these superstars is they have the ability to stave off the aging process rather than reverse it. And and I think that the, this is the concept of prejuvenation, which we haven't really talked about. Well, you know what? If we think um, aesthetic treatments in younger patients who don't yet really need anything, um, <clears throat> I always said that if you can keep the volume in the face the same, you will never age. Mm. And I think that's what we can refer to as prejuvenation. Um, the bone is changing, but if you can compensate for the changes in the bone and give a support to the overlying structures, the skin won't sag. Um, and with your biostimulators, stimulating collagen, your collagen don't decrease. So you really do slow down the aging process. 
Yeah, I, I must say that I think we've reached a, a, a new sort of era in, in age prevention because, um, first of all, we, there's a lot of science being done. As soon as there's money to be made, um, there is research. And as soon as there's research, there are better options. And those better options lead to products that we can use safely. And there's a, there's a whole lot on the market at the moment. And I must be honest with you. I think that the surgical intervention in facial treatments in the future is probably going to become less and less and more sort of corrective for significant problems rather yeah. than anti-aging. Haven't we been seeing that over the yeah. past couple of years? You know what? You and I have been in this industry long enough to, to see the changes and the new kinds of treatments and products that are coming out on the market. So, Gareth, we basically spoke only about non-surgical interventions. So I'm going to ask you to come back on the show. We've, we've run out of time. And um, we will talk about surgical procedures for men. And here I'm specifically thinking of things like Liposculpting more than liposuction. Um, we spoke a little bit about implants, um, and both of us think it's a bad idea. Hair transplantations, which is, um, something Massive. that is big. I've had hair transplants and we've had, uh, Dr. Kathy Davies. She's a good friend of both mm. of us, um, on the show and we've spoken about this at length. But, you know, but there's other stuff that we can talk about. And I just want to end off the show about um, how many boob jobs do you do? So I did three last week. Okay. <laughs> so, Simpiwi, <clears throat> men don't have boobs. We have boob reductions if we have gynecomastia. But one of the common treatments that I'm starting to do in my practice is penal augmentations. Wait, what? this is... Yeah, he left the bomb to, <laughs> to, to exit on. <laughs> so, and you did wait, wait, so just wait. I just explain that to me real quick, please. So augmentation is mean that it, it means that you make it bigger. Okay. Okay. So, um, Gareth, we had these treatments historically, penal augmentations, where we actually focused on increasing penile length but not girth mm. so and that's when we um went and we loosened the suspensory ligament and the penis would hang down lower um the problem is um when you have an erection it also pointed down to the floor so um it, it made for interesting new positions in mm -hmm. um, But what we have today, and this is an aesthetic treatment, and we use products that we use on a daily basis in facial aesthetics, and these are the tissue fillers. And we use the tissue fillers and we put them underneath the skin above the tunica albica, which is a, a ligament structure in the penis. And what it does, it enhances girth. Hmm. Now, firstly, it's for men, probably one of the things that all of us would say, no matter how big you are, yes, I can do with a bit more size or girth. Why? Because it makes us feel manly. Gareth, am I right? Yeah, I think that that is for the requests from men, um, anything to do with that area tends to be, um, yeah, anyone could do with a little bit more, an inch here or there. Yeah. So the only thing that I, I would like to leave, and we'll touch on this when we, when we do another uh, episode on aesthetics is that it's a procedure that works or pays dividends in the locker room where it looks bigger in a flaccid state. Mm. But when you get an erection, um, you know what, you might have a little bit of girth uh, added, which can help with pleasuring your partner, but there's no length. Um, it's analogous to a push-up bra. Yeah. A lot of show. 
between. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, we spoke about fat in the penis, mm. and um, you said, "Yeah, it it works well. It just you end up looking like a cone." And I did have a guy. He was a patient that came from the states, and he had um, jaw implants. Uh, he had a chin implant. He had a rhinoplasty. He had fillers. He actually had cheek implants, um, metal implants in his cheeks. He was tattooed from head to toe. He was very attractive prior to the surgeries. Um, and then he came to me for a penal augmentation. And when I, when I walked into the, my procedure room and he was on the table, I had to deal with a Coke can with a little nubbin on it. So, um, it's, it's there. And I looked at this and I thought to myself, Oh my God, if you come at me with that thing, I'm going to run away. I don't know how his girlfriend felt about it, but it looked completely distorted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when it comes to aesthetic treatments, seek out the aesthetic practitioner or your surgeon that's going to be able to assess your face, understand your expectations and then advise you on a treatment protocol. Dr. Chassing, Gareth, it was wonderful to have you here. I know that you came out very early in the morning and you're heading into theater now. You have a practice here in Johannesburg at Linksfield, am I right? Yes, yeah. And then you have uh, a practice in Cape Town as well. I'm not Exactly sure where in Cape Town? Uh, Alchemia Clinic um, and Chris Barn are both in the City Bowl. Okay. So if you want to get hold of Dr. Chassink, please um, get hold of him. His number will be on the website. Gareth, do you just want to give us an email address or a contact number? Sure. Um, so uh, my surname is uh, very difficult. <laughs> so it's uh, D-R, uh, Gareth, G-A-R-E-T-H. Chasink, which is T-J-A-S-I-N-K, um, uh, at gmail.com. Okay. Um, next week, we will be back talking about um, the benefit and the necessity, actually, of hormone optimization in men. Mm. And I'll be joined by Divya Naidu and the rest of the usual cohort uh, Stacey Holland and Elise Van Art. Until then, we wish you good health. That was the Tea Health Show, empowering you with knowledge. Download all previous episodes on your favorite podcast platform. The Tea Health Show is brought to you by Tea Clinic.